Good morning. Welcome all of you to the service this morning. Uh, we're glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us this morning. I'm going to encourage you to take a Bible and follow along this morning. Uh, but, uh, but something I would say more important to me, um, as you take your Bible out or your phone out, follow along. Turn to 2 Corinthians, and we're going to start in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. What would have been the reading this morning, I'm going to read uh, aloud to us. Uh, this morning as we begin, uh, but I want to say that uh, more importantly to me, if you haven't had a chance yet to go and listen to Ian's lesson uh, that he put out last week, one week ago today, uh, it's a lesson entitled Patience, and I would encourage you to go and listen to that, and after you've listened to it, and you've thought through it, and you've studied uh, with Ian the words that he uses there in that lesson, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it again uh, and, and listen to it as often as you need to listen to it. Uh, I told Ian, not jokingly, this morning that instead of uh, me giving a lesson, I was going to advertise for his lesson this morning. Uh, can I, I can tell you uh, that the words that Ian goes over through the scriptures uh, are very important for each one of us to not only take in but to understand and to study. Uh, so if you have a chance, go back to YouTube, look up Ian Jones, Patience. Uh, I believe it's the first one that comes up. It is a lesson from one week ago. I'd encourage you uh, to follow along. And I'll tell you, if you have listened to that, uh, then you may look at this and go, well, he gave that lesson last week. Uh, I'm not going to go over the same scriptures, but I will tell you that uh, the words that I'm going over this morning uh, are words that I thought were important in listening to his lesson uh, to bring it a little closer to home and specifically at this time where uh, our sick list and our prayer list uh, is so long and, and obviously many of these chairs are empty and not only are many of these chairs empty uh, at a time that's very painful and as uh, Tim so aptly uh, prayed about a, a pandemic that, that is now surging back. I want to talk a very, about a very specific thing that Ian uh, kind of brought up and touched on. You know, there's a lot of need for patience, but there's a lot of need for understanding for something else. And you'll notice the title of the lesson this morning is, Why Does It Hurt? Why does it hurt? This morning, I want to talk about very, uh, a very real thing for each one of us. A very real thing for me and a very real thing for you, and that's physical pain. I want to start in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. If you will, look at 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. We're going to start in verse 16, and I'll tell you, Paul is writing here to the church at Corinth in the second letter. And beginning in verse 16, he says, I say again, let no man think me a fool, if otherwise, yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little. That which I speak, I speak it not after the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. For you suffer fools gladly, seeing you yourselves are wise. For you suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak, howbeit whereinsoever any is bold. I speak foolishly, I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool, I am more. 
in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Where is Paul at physically as he's writing to the letter, writing to the church at Corinth in this letter? Do you hear the words of Paul? I want you to think about what he's saying there. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he says, okay, if you want to be fleshly, if you want to think about what's going on in your body, let's talk about that. Because if somebody wants to be bold about all that we've been through, Paul says, guess what, I can be bold too. In fact, what he says is, it's real foolish of me, but I'm going I'm to dip my toe into foolishness for just a second so you understand something here. You ever been beaten? Yeah, well, I've been beaten more. In fact, I've received stripes. I've been beaten with a rod. If that's not enough for you, I've been stoned. I've been left for dead. I've been shipwrecked. I've been lost at sea. If you want to know pain, I've been through the suffering. Now, what's Paul saying? Paul's saying, I know pain. I know when it hurts really, really bad. I wonder if Paul is saying that he's better than you because of all that pain he's been through. I wonder if Paul is saying that you don't have a right to that pain because he's hurt more. I want you to think about pain. What's the worst thing about pain? You know, I know it's sometime or another we've all felt some pain. And we just wanted it to go away. You know, sometimes the worst thing about pain is not that agony that you feel. Sometimes the worst thing about the pain is the question, why? If God is love, if God loves me, if, if God loves me so much that he sent his son, then why does it have to hurt? I want to answer that question this morning. In James, the fifth chapter, James writes in James chapter 5 and verse 11, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. There's a number of things that James said here that I would call peculiar. 
You know, specifically, as James is talking about here, he's talking about the patience, as Ian talked about, and that being specifically the patience of Job. And James uses a peculiar word there, and he says, Behold, we count them happy, which endure. Behold, we count them blessed, those who have been through the pain. You know, I've met some people that, that have actually said they, they kind of like to feel the pain. Um, I don't understand that, so I'm not that guy. I don't like pain. I don't like to hurt. You know what I don't like even worse than that? I don't like watching others hurt. I do not like to see one of my kids hurting. You know, Ian uh, said something in that lesson that I think is very important for us to understand. And he said, you know, sometimes we have to go through that pain, the pain of discipline, the, the, pray, the, the pain of being reproved in order to get to a better place. But I'm going to tell you what, physical pain isn't that way for me. I don't like watching my kids go through physical pain. I don't like watching you hurting I don't like seeing someone who's truly in physical agony and yet James said we count them happy which endure you've heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord that the Lord is very pitiful and tender mercy I want to make sure you understand God's tender mercy and the pity that God has on you and I. And I want you to look at this from a physical agony standpoint. If you go back and you open up the book of Job, in the first two chapters we read about a man who the Bible describes as a good and an upright man. This was a man of faith. This was a man who followed. This was a man who submitted himself to God, not only on his own behalf, but you'll see that Job was such a man that was a follower of God that he, in fact, said, if my children have committed any sin, hold it to me. That's how faithful this man was. And yet, in one chapter, in the matter of a day, it says that his sons and his daughters were eating in the eldest son's house. And during that time, it says that a servant comes to Job and says the ox was plowing in the field and the servants were killed. They're all gone and only I am come to tell you about it. The Bible records that a servant then comes to Job and he says fire came down from above, the fire of God. And it's burned up all the sheep. And all the servants are gone. I only am here to tell you. And it says that a servant comes to Job and he says, your children, they were all together eating. And men came in. And they're all gone. And only I am survived to come and tell you. 
It says that in that moment, Job lost all that he had. What kind of pain is that? I would say that we all understand the pain of loss, of losing someone. We all know the pain of losing something, and that's what Job learned that day. Your children are dead, and I came to tell you about it. Your possessions have all been lost, and I've come. To tell you about it. Job, when it comes to your emotional and your spiritual well-being, I want you to know right now, you've just lost everything and everyone you had. And if that wasn't enough, Satan goes back to God. It says in Job, the second chapter, that Satan goes back to, to God And Satan going back to God says, okay, but wait a minute. I want you to remember a man's flesh. And when a man's not in pain, he'll serve you. But when a man's in pain, he will not. In fact, when a man is in true pain, when he feels it in his body, when he understands that agony, Satan said to God, guess what? He'll turn and he curse you. And in Job, the second chapter, in verse 7, it says, So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. Let me tell you about the physical agony of Job. The physical agony of Job was this, that his friends heard about this and his friends came, and when they saw him afar off, they didn't even recognize him. It says that he took a scrubber. It's called a potsherd there. He took a scrubber and he scrubbed the skin from his body. He was in so much agony that when his friends got to him, it says they sat and didn't say a word for seven days. I want to ask you this. You ever felt the pain that Job felt? You ever felt that kind of agony? I don't want you to answer that question yet because I want to show you Paul's pain. Now you'll recall that in 2 Corinthians the 11th chapter that Paul said, if I was going to be a fool, I would sit here and boast. And as a fool, I would boast and I would tell you that I've been through beatings and I've been through stonings and I've been through perils and I've been through the tough times and all of that. But I want you to notice in the next chapter, as he's still writing this same letter in 2 Corinthians the 12th chapter, beginning in verse 7, the Bible says, And lest I should be exalted above measure, Through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. I wonder what Paul's talking about. We can all take a guess. Uh, There could be an educated guess, and we could say that he was talking about his blindness. No matter what it was, here's what we know that Paul was talking about. He was talking about something physical. 
He said he had a thorn in the flesh, so we know this wasn't some idea or some spiritual weakness or some emotional thing, but we know, in fact, that Paul was talking about a thorn in the flesh. He was talking about something physical. Now, I want you to notice, he had talked already about many of the physical agonies he had been through. In fact, he had been beaten and stoned. In fact, he had been left for dead. Even his own countrymen had attacked him. And yet Paul says, guess what? There was, there was this one thing. This one thing that I had, and it was in the flesh. And it was something Satan was using to buffet me. To rock me back and forth. It was something physical that he was using to rock Paul's world. And Paul said, whatever this physical agony was, he went to God three times. What did he go to God three times for? I want to be clear about something. The Bible says that you and I are to be thankful to God. I want you to notice Paul didn't say he went to God to thank him for that physical pain. In fact, what Paul said was he went to God three times. Asking God, why has it got to hurt? Just take it away. Three times he went to God and said, this thorn in the flesh, take it from me. I want you to notice Paul received a response there. In 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and verse 9, he said, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. What was Paul teaching us? I'll tell you what Paul was not teaching you and I. What Paul was not teaching you and I was that we need to enjoy the physical pain. The pleasure he was talking about was not one of saying, you see, I'm tougher than anybody else because I made it through that pain. I want you to know what Paul was teaching us in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, was there is no shame in asking. There is no shame in asking. What did Paul do? Paul had this thorn in the flesh. He had some physical, fleshly agony. Let me ask you, who suffered the worst pain? It's you. It's you. Why? You know what Paul did? Paul did what most of us do. Paul, in 2 Corinthians 11, chapter, looked at his life and said, all right, if we're going to do this, if we're going to get in the mud, I'm going to get in the mud with you. Let's start comparing pain. 
Let's see which one of us is toughest. You think you're tough? Well, guess what I've been through. Oh, you think you're tougher? Well, guess what I've suffered through. In fact, guess what I went through? Guess which one of us can take more pain? And then when it came down to it, you know what Paul did? Paul said, you know all of that tough stuff I've been through? All of that boasting I could do? Let me tell you, there was one of them. That here's what I did. I went and prayed to God that he would take it away. I wonder what that prayer was like for Paul. I wonder what that prayer, no matter what the physical thing was that Paul had, I wonder what that first prayer was like. I wonder if he was hurting so bad he could barely get the words out. But you know what I'd really like to know? I'd really like to know what that second prayer was like. It's one thing to go through pain and to get over it quickly. It's another thing to have asked God who you have faith in and who you trust in and who said, ask and you shall receive. And you've asked him to take that pain away. And you've still got that same agonizing pain. I wonder what that second prayer was like. I wonder how torn those words were of Paul. And if you can't empathize with Paul on that second prayer asking about this same pain, then I have to wonder if you can empathize with him when he went that third time. I wonder what it was like to say, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this pain. I just want it gone. I don't care what you have to do. Take the pain away. I'm going to tell you, God made his people And God loved his people. And he loved us enough to recognize our humanity. Our need for a God. You know, David in Psalm 32 said, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. Now I'll tell you, if you go back and read Psalm 32, that David is specifically talking about a recognition of his sin and the, the, the pain that sin has called, but caused in his life. And that being his own sin, his own iniquity. But I want you to notice what Paul said. Paul said, here's what I recognized, that no matter what the cause of the pain was, no matter where the pain came from, here's what happened. When I locked up in myself, when I shut my mouth and decided I was going to tough it out and I was going to tough my way through it so that I could stand before someone and say, I'm tougher than you and I can take more pain than you because I've been through this tough situation. Here's what David said. David said, you know what? When I kept to myself, when I locked myself into my own mind, here's what happened. 
I hurt more physically. My bones started to wax old. I felt the pain more strongly than I had before. And yet in verse 6 in the same prayer, he says, For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. You know what David recognized? David recognized that when the pain got its worst, that there was no shame in turning to God in prayer and saying, take it away. Heal me. That there's no shame in saying, you know what? I don't want to hurt. I don't want to be in this physical pain. You know what Paul taught us? Paul taught us he was a fortunate one because God came to him and he answered that prayer and here's how he answered it. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. You know that's got to be hard to take. Or is it? You know what it really tells us? It really tells us that God knows. God knows that you're in pain. God knows that the pain isn't enjoyable. God knows that it hurts real bad. But his grace is sufficient. I want you to notice that God's response to Paul wasn't, you're right, and because you're my child, you don't have to hurt anymore. You see, that's what I would do as a father. That's what I would do. I I look at my children, and I'm going to tell you, it's much more painful for me to watch them go through the hurting than it is to just try to take it away. But you know what God in all of his love said? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness you see the glory of the father the glory of our God is that our God knows our God recognizes the pain and the suffering And that the pain and the suffering is what makes us human and makes us recognize our need for his grace. James, the fourth chapter, James wrote, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. You see, sometimes... The pain doesn't need to go away. Sometimes the pain needs to be understood in our place in creation. 
2 Corinthians 4, chapter, Paul writes, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a farm, or far, more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Ian's words during his lesson are much more profound than what I could give you this morning, but suffice it to say this. I want you to recognize that what Paul is talking about, light affliction, isn't that the pain isn't that much. What Paul's saying about a light affliction is he's not saying to you and I, I've suffered much more, so quit your whining. In fact, sometimes we like to talk to kids and we like to tell kids, just tough it out. You need to toughen up. Whatever you may think about that statement, that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying it hurts and it hurts real bad. In fact, there are many who get up and the moment they wake up in the morning, they wake up in pain and they can barely go to sleep at night because the pain is so great. And here's the thing, it hurts and it hurts real bad, but you've got to remember something. No matter how long that pain lasts, it's only going to be a short time when you look at it in the terms of eternity. That whether it lasts for one minute, or one day, or one year, or an entire lifetime, your life is but a vapor. So no matter how much that physical pain hurts, stay focused on this. God's got eternity in his hands. So whether he takes that pain away today or at the end of life, that pain's going to go away. And when you recognize eternity, it's but a light affliction when it comes to the glory of eternal life. Revelation 21, John in revealing the revelation that was given to him says in verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. I want you to know this wasn't just some vision that John had that he would encourage us with. Certainly, that's what the revelation is. Certainly, we can look at all scriptures and we can say that they were inspired and that whatever John wrote, that he wrote for our encouragement and building us up and helping us get through the pain. Because here's what he said. He said, guess what? There's going to come a day. There's going to come a day when there's no more death. There's no more tears. There's no more crying. There's no more sorrows. And I'm going to tell you another thing about that day. When that day comes, there'll be no more pain. And certainly that should be an encouragement to you and I. Certainly that should help us to focus on a vast eternity. But I want you to notice what John said. John said this. John said, these aren't just my magical, pretty words that I'm bringing to you. These aren't just words of encouragement. 
This isn't just words of hope to tell you to hold on through those tears, hold on through that pain. But John said this, the one that sat on the throne, the one that gave his life for you, the one that shed his blood for you, he said, write these words. And here's why I want you to write these words. Because they are faithful and they are true. You see, what God told to John was, I want you to write this down. I want you to write this down that one day there's not going to be any more death. One day there's not going to be any more tears. One day there's not going to be any more sorrow. And on that day there'll be no more pain. All of those things will be gone away. And if there's anything you can count on, God said, write these words down because that's something you can count on. And I want you to know during all of that pain, you are never alone. You are never alone. Romans, the 12th chapter, Paul writes, rejoice with them that do rejoice and we with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. I want to tell you, one of the great things about the glory of God is that he gave us each other. One of the great things was this, that he gave us each other. And he said, here's what you're going to do. You know, there's going to be times when there is no pain where, where you're not hurting at all. And you see one another and you can hug one another and you can laugh together and you can enjoy together. And he said this, you know, there's going to be some other times when you're going to be hurting real bad. When the pain is almost unbearable. Where it hurts so bad you can't get out of bed. And guess what you got? You've got a brother, you've got a sister, and let me tell you, they're hurting with you. They're hurting for you, because that's how he made us. When you're not in pain, we're rejoicing with you. When you are in pain, guess what? We're weeping with you. We're crying with you. We're agonizing in prayer with you. That's how it was designed. But more importantly, I want you to look at Hebrews 4 chapter. It says in verse 14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I want you to not forget something. You see, Jesus came as a man, and we understand that Jesus understood love because he was the embodiment of love. Jesus understood loss and the pain of loss and the pain of those spiritual things. But don't ever forget that Jesus Christ understood physical pain. The Bible says he was bruised for our iniquity. What that means is he didn't deserve it and yet they took him and they beat him and they slashed him and he understood the pain. 
Our Savior wasn't some mythical cartoon that didn't feel those stripes. That didn't feel those nails going through skin and through muscle and through bone. Our Savior is one who feels the feeling of our infirmities. Who truly understands even the physical pain. And knowing that, I want to leave you with Matthew, the 26th chapter. Uh, Matthew, the 26th chapter here, we, we see what happened to Jesus the night that he was betrayed. In fact, Jesus has gone to the garden and he has told Peter, James, and John to wait while he goes and he prays. And you can actually read there in Matthew, the 26th chapter, the words of Christ's prayer and and hopefully you know these words where Christ prayed fervently and it says that he said, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Where he's asking the Lord, I understand the weight of what's happening here today. I understand what's supposed to be done. And I'm going to tell you, I don't want to go through it. And if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But I chose these two verses out of Matthew chapter 26 because I think it's important in recognizing that you are never, ever alone. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 43 says, And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Jesus lived what Paul just taught us in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. Was Jesus alone there in the garden? I want you to look at those verses. The Bible says at this time that the Lord had gone to pray and he had asked his friends. He had asked those he loved to just wait there and pray with him. And he came back and he found them asleep. You ever been there? I hope not. But I would imagine some of you have. Where you felt some pain and you felt it so bad and nobody understood it. And you felt like nobody could help you. And you felt like nobody was there, like everybody was just sleeping through it. Like everybody thought your pain wasn't that bad and it didn't really matter the Lord's been there with you and you know what the Lord recognized that even when it felt like he was all alone he still had the father and I want you to notice something else about Jesus here 
Jesus recognized there was no shame in asking. You know, when I was young, we used to talk about vain repetition in prayer that Jesus had talked about. And we said that vain repetition meant asking God for something over and over and over again. You notice what the Lord did? The Lord, in the matter of just a short time in the garden, said, if there's any way to take it away, take it away. And he came back a second time. And he said, Father, if there's any way that you can just take it away, just take it away. And if that wasn't enough, the Son of God came a third time. And he said, if there's any other way, please just take it away. The Lord knows we don't want to go through it. The Lord knows it hurts. But the Lord knows that his grace is sufficient for us. Because he holds eternity in his hand. And more importantly, as a son or a daughter of God, he holds you in his hand even when it hurts.